Good evening, forecasters. This is Michael Hendricks coming to you on January 18th with a brand new podcast. Now, the podcast tonight is, uh, if I remember it correctly, is called The Constitution Isn't Difficult. Now, you may be a little bit lucky um, this week as I just recently did a podcast on Sunday. I'm doing a podcast today. Uh, then I'll be doing a live stream podcast of the inauguration on Wednesday, followed with another podcast this weekend. Um, so we may get four pod- podcasts Villa in a little bit over a week's time. Uh, but what I'm going to talk about tonight is the Constitution. Uh, because, uh, you know, I've been hearing... Uh, for a long time, really, but really just within the last couple of weeks, some just infuriating comments about the Constitution by people who clearly don't have a working knowledge of the Constitution. So I thought tonight uh, what I might do is just do a brief run through of the Constitution, um, talk about different things uh, of how the Constitution is interpreted uh, and how it has been interpreted over the 200 years since its inception but really to talk about those people who want to use the Constitution in just nefarious ways to attempt to basically change the government of the United States. And, you know, I'm, I'm talking mostly about those on the right side of the political spectrum, like Ted Cruz, Lauren Boebert, uh, Representative Green, and quite a few others, uh, Holly from Missouri, who have got, in my opinion, a completely perverted idea of what the Constitution is and what it actually does. And and what this really comes from is, is this idea that the Constitution, specifically the First Amendment part of, um, it talks about freedom of speech, that the First Amendment somehow protects you from being thrown off of social media sites for saying ridiculous, seditionist, racist things without any consequences. And that, that's not how that amendment works. But I, I will get to that in due time. Uh, because there are some things I want to go over with the Constitution in, in real brief, just to give an idea of the Constitution. Now, I do have a master's degree in U.S. history. Uh, I did put my focus on early American history, so I have studied the Constitution quite extensively. I'm no expert by any means. There are those out there that know more about it than I do. This is purely my opinion. Uh, But first, before we actually go into the Constitution, before we talk about any um, of the, the articles and sections and the, the Bill of Rights and then the other 17 amendments after that, uh, one thing to keep in mind is that the Bill of Rights only covers the first 10 amendments. It does not uh, cover any of the amendments after that. I may have to go to a different page as I'm looking at it. Actually go over. Okay. But one of the first things you really need to know about the Constitution, and those specifically who have opinions of the Constitution of how it works, there there is that group. My hair's. There, there's a group that believes the Constitution is a living, breathing document. And then there there is the camp that believes that the Constitution is static or fixed. Now, I fall into the latter category. I believe that the Constitution is static and fixed. I'll get more into that briefly. But those who believe that it is a living, breathing document believe that you can look at the Constitution as it was written in 1780 and still apply it, all of it, to everyday society now, that you can interpret it uh, the way that it was written then 
to work in the situations today. Those on the static or fixed side kind of look at that as, as, as these people, lawmakers mostly, that are basically saying, we're going to look at the Constitution and then just kind of make up our own minds about what the Constitution is saying. For me, there is a reason why there are amendments to the Constitution and why the founders put amendments to the Constitution because it is not a living, breathing document. Uh, it is fixed. It is static. And you need to amend it, uh, to amend it to make it relevant to the time that you're in. That's why they put this process in. So that's the approach that I'm going to be looking at tonight is from the static fixed reading of the Constitution because that's where I believe, that's what I believe the Constitution is. And that's why we have the amendments. So I'm going to take a quick break and then we'll come back and go over uh, the first article of the Constitution. Well, we'll see how it goes. My plan is to mostly focus on the first article and the first, second, and third uh, article. You know, look real briefly at the other articles, see if we really need to spend any time on that. And then my last piece will be on the Bill of Rights, not the entire um, uh, 27 amendments, because uh, it, it's not really relevant to what we're discussing at this point. So hang with me, and I'll be right back. All right, so when we look at the Constitution, of course, we need to start at the beginning with the preamble, which states that we, the people of the United States, in order to form a more perfect union, establish justice, ensure domestic tranquility, provide for the common defense, promote the general welfare, and secure the blessings of liberty to ourselves and our posterity, do ordain and establish this Constitution for the United States of America. Now, there is one important piece in that. I mean, the, the whole preamble is important. Um, but this is really for those who say that it's un unconstitutional somehow uh, to provide health care to all Americans. Well, it's right there in the preamble where the United States, the federal government, promotes the general welfare of the people. That, to me, it is, it is pretty simple. So here we go. Article 1, Section 1. All legislative powers herein granted shall be vested in, the, in a Congress of the United States, which shall consist of a Senate and House of Representatives. It sets up the two different bodies of the legislative branch. And this is Article 1. So... The founders, when they were writing the Constitution, felt that the legislat uh, legislative branch was the most important branch. you got to remember, these are the same men who wrote the Articles of Confederation. And in the Articles of Confederation, there wasn't even a president. So they wanted to make sure that the legislative branch was still essentially the most important piece of the federal government. Their main thing was adding in a president and reorganizing the government to where there was more of a central power. In the Articles of Confederation, there was no central power. The states acted almost as individual countries, independent countries. The Constitution does completely away with that. So Section 2, the House of Representatives shall be composed of members chosen every second year by the people of the several states, and the electors in each state shall have the qualifications requisite for electors the most numerous branch of the state legislature. No person shall be a representative who shall not have attained the age of 25 years and been seven years a citizen of the United States and who shall not, when elected, be an inhabitant of the state in which he, she, shall be chosen. And I apologize for the dog outside barking. Can't really do anything about that. So here with the House of Representatives set up, Every member of the House has to run every two years. Uh, it, it's not like the Senate, which I'll get to here in just a second. But every two years, every member has to run for election or re-election. Now, this is the people's house. From the very beginning, 
it was decided that the people in the states would decide who the representatives, who their representatives would be. Um, section three, this uh, is the creation of the Senate. The Senate of the United States shall be composed of two senators from each state chosen by the legislature thereof for six years, and each uh, senator shall have one vote. Now, we know that's not the way it's done anymore. Um, amendment. Uh, amendment 17, uh, which was ratified in 1913, actually took that power away from the state legislatures and it determined that um, that the people in the states would actually select the senators and not the state legislatures. Uh, so this was superseded um, by that amendment. So immediately after they shall be assembled in consequence of the first elections, they shall be divided as equally as may be into three classes. The seats of the senators of the first class shall be vacated at the expiration of the second year of the second class at the expiration of the fourth year and the third class at the expiration of the sixth year. Uh, so the one third may be chosen every second year. Um, and basically what this sets up uh, and you see it in the third class with the expiration of the sixth year, is that when a senator is elected into the Senate, they serve for six years. But there's three different classes of senators. So the way it works is that with all 100 senators, um, they have, they're elected every six years, but because of the way they did this, there is a Senate election every two years. No person shall be a senator who shall not have attained to the age of 30 years and been nine years a citizen of the United States who shall not, when elected, be an inhabitant of that state for which he shall be chosen. Vice President, this is very important to me, the Vice President of the United States shall be President of the Senate, but shall have no vote unless they be equally divided. And this is why we are about to see when Joe Biden and Kamala Harris become president and vice president, Kamala Harris will become the president of the Senate. And because there is a 50-50 tie in the Senate, the Democrats will hold power in the Senate. However, Kamala Harris will never vote unless there is a 50-50 tie. Um, section four, not really important. So, uh, section six, uh, section six is about compensation. Uh, section seven is about raising revenue. Uh, it just states that it shall be originate in the House of Representatives, but the Senate may propose or concur with amendments as on other bills. Uh, here, here, here's a, a fun thing for those who believe that we are being taxed. Uh, without us giving our consent, the consent is in the Constitution. The Congress, Section 8, the Congress shall have power to lay and collect taxes, duties, imposts, and excises to pay the debts and provide for the common defense and general welfare of the United States. Uh, but all duties, imposts, and excises shall be uniform throughout the United States. So right there in Section 8, Article 1, Congress gives is given the power to collect taxes. They are also, once again, uh, directed to provide for the common defense and the general welfare of the United States. Um, so, yeah, uh, that's the, the main thing with the first section of the first article is setting up Congress, setting up the two houses, setting up how they're elected, um, who um, the House of Representatives is the House of the People, the Senate, uh, at one point was elected by the legislature. And this is where, for me, it, it goes to prove that it is not a living, breathing document, that it is, in fact, static. 
because they did have to come back in and pass a new amendment just to change the Constitution to state that the Senate shall be elected by the people of the state instead of the legislature. If it was a living, breathing document, there would have been no need for that. Uh, so that's Article 1. We're going to move on to Article 2 here in just a moment. All right, so we're going to move on to Article 2 of the Constitution, and I'm not going to spend as much time on Article 2 as I did on Article 1, but Article 2 is the formation of the executive branch. Section 1 states, the executive power shall be vested in a president of the United States of America. He or she shall hold his office during, or hers, office during the term of four years and together with the vice president chosen for the same term be elected as follows. Each state shall appoint in such a such manner as the legislature thereof may direct a number of electors equal to the whole number of senators and representatives to which the state may be entitled in the Congress, but no senator or representative or person holding the office of trust or profit under the United States shall be an appointed elect. This is the Electoral College where it is set up. This is about the only piece of the Electoral College that still exists within the actual Constitution that has not been changed with amendments, but basically what that part says, which is odd that it was put here, um, is this sets up the Electoral College, um, has to be equal to the number of senators and representatives, so in the case we are right now, we're at 538, when you combine the senators and representatives, uh, but no senator or representative or any person holding office uh, can be appointed an elector. I'm not going to read you. I don't know if you can see it on your screen. I'm not going to read you the blue part because that's been completely amended. Um, here, here's an important part for me. It says, no person except a natural-born citizen or a citizen of the United States at the time of the adoption of this Constitution shall be eligible to the office of president. Neither shall any person be eligible to that office you shall not have attained to the age of 35 years and been 14 years a resident within the United States. So this has always been a confusing piece because it has been felt uh, even to this day um, uh, that, that that paragraph it is in effect stating that no one that isn't born in the United States, that isn't a natural born citizen, can be president of the United States. With, with my reading of it, that's not really what it says at all. Um, uh, what it what it says. I'm, I'm doing a podcast right now. Um, no person except a natural-born citizen or a citizen of the United States at the time of the adoption of this Constitution. And then it goes on down to says, and it has been 14 years a resident within the United States. I, I believe that the reason they put this in here uh, was to make sure that you know, like a, a, someone from Britain couldn't come over and become president. Uh, but it doesn't necessarily mean that no one not born in the United States could ever serve as president. This is what the racism bigots have tried to argue with Obama and now with Kamala Harris. Uh, because they don't believe they were born in the United States, even though both of them were. Uh, but, and there have, there have been interpretations onto this. Uh, that's why... Really, John McCain was able to run for president because he was not born in the United States. He was not a natural-born citizen. He was born on a Navy base in Panama. So that's one of those that's going to be up for debate for a very long time. Um, uh, there's another uh, part here about the case of removal of a president from office. Uh, that's been superseded uh, by the Constitution as well, or by the by amendments. Uh, and then here's the following oath or affirmation that the president must take on their inauguration day. 
simply states, I do solemnly swear or affirm, they, it's, it's up to them how they say it, that I will faithfully execute the office of President of the United States and will, to the best of my ability, preserve, protect, and defend the Constitution of the United States. Note that it says Constitution. It doesn't mention any religious text. It's the Constitution. Um, he shall have, this is in section two, uh, he shall have power by and with the advice of the consent of the Senate to make treaties provided two-thirds of the senators present concur, or present, sorry. Uh, the president shall have the power to fill up vacancies that may happen during the recess of the Senate by granting commissions, which shall expire at the end of their next session. Uh, this is something Obama actually uh, was pushed back on uh, is that because he knew the Senate would not confirm his appointees, he would just wait until the Senate went on recess and then appoint someone. Um, but the Constitution is fairly clear that their commission, their appointment would end uh, at the next session. And then here's the most vague piece of Article 2, that's in Section 4, the President, Vice President, and all civil officers of the United States shall be removed from office on impeachment for and conviction of treason, robbery, or other high crimes and misdemeanors. Now, we've never had a President impeached on treason or bribery. Uh, what all the Presidents who have been impeached have been impeached for high crimes and misdemeanors because it does not specifically state in the Constitution or any of the amendments what exactly constitutes a high crime or misdemeanor. All right, so that is it for the president that I'm going to talk about at this point. I'm going to move on to the judicial branch right after this. All right, forecasters, before I move on to the Article 3, which is the judicial branch, which I don't know why I struggle to stay, say judicial, but I always have. I uh, just want to give a quick shout out uh, to my brother Will Hendricks and my friend uh, Doug Murray, uh, who have their own podcast on Anchor. It is called Off the Rails with Doug and Will. Very funny show. I listen to it every time that they actually do podcasts. And they took about a month off. No specified reason why they took that month off. Uh, just from their last episode, they were both doing absolutely nothing but busily uh, getting their podcast ready to go. Uh, but I do just want to get out uh, a shout out to both of those gentlemen uh, for promoting my podcast on their podcast. Uh, so this is me at this point promoting their podcast again off the rails with Doug and Will. You can find it on anchor.fm. You can also find it on just about any streaming service available, any podcast available. I, I, I switch between uh, my iPad and Spotify uh, to listen to them and listen to myself because I do like the way my voice sounds. Thank you. Uh, but moving on to Article 3 of the Constitution. Article 3 sets up the judicial branch. Section 1 states that the judicial power of the United States shall be vested in one Supreme Court and in such inferior courts as the Congress may from time to time ordain and establish. The judges, both of the Supreme and inferior courts, shall hold their offices during good behavior and shall, at stated times, receive for their services a compensation which will not be diminished during their continuance in office. In Section 2, uh, shall extend to all cases in law and equity arising under this Constitution the laws of the United States, and treaties made or which shall be made under their authority to all cases affecting ambassadors, other public ministers and consuls, and this is boring, isn't it? It doesn't matter. Um, this is talking about uh, what kind of cases they're going to hear. <clears throat> Excuse me. Section 3 states treason against the United States shall consist only in levying war against them or in adhering to their enemies, giving them aid and comfort. No person shall be convicted of treason unless on the testimony of two witnesses to the same overt act or on confession in open court. 
The Congress shall have power to declare the punishment of treason, but no attainder of treason shall work uh, corruption of blood or forfeiture except during the life of the person attained. Yikes, right? Um, so it is... And this is... Says the judges, both of the, this is back to section one. The judges, both of the supreme and inferior courts, shall hold their offices during good behavior. So, what does that mean? That means they get to serve on the bench for the rest of their life if they behave good. <laughs> but one thing in these three sections, this is going to be a lot shorter than I thought it was. I may just move on to the next article. What it does not state is how many judges are on the supreme court. It was never set in the Constitution. It was never set in the amendments. Uh, so that's why the number uh, changed for quite a while, up until the late 1800s when it was set at nine. When Washington was president, I'm not going to give a full rundown of how this has changed, uh, but when Washington was president, it was three. He set it at three. And then it slowly inched its way up to nine. So Congress, the Senate, does have the ability to add or subtract seats as they see fit. Um, I'm not against adding seats or subtracting seats at all. Um, unless the states want to pass an amendment that needs three quarters of the states uh, to do that. If they want to pass an amendment that sets that on, they're more than happy to, they're more than welcome to do so. But until that is done, the Senate has the ability to set the number at what they want. Um, the last time that it was brought up was actually during uh, Franklin Roosevelt's presidency when he wanted to up it. And Senate said, thanks, but no thanks. Uh, Article 4. Um, <laughs> nothing all that important that anyone really argues about. Okay, Article 5. Moving on to Article 5. The Congress, whenever two-thirds of both houses shall deem it necessary. Sometimes you got to make sure you're recording. Okay. Okay. Shall propose amendments to this Constitution or on the application of the legislatures of two-thirds of the several states. See, that's my mistake. I thought it was three-fourths. It is two-thirds. Shall call a convention for proposing amendments, which, in either case, shall be valid to all intents and purposes as part of this Constitution when ratified by the legislatures of three-fourths of the several states. Okay, I'm going to start. I'm going to try this part again because I've royally screwed up Article 5, and I apologize to you. My podcast listeners as I make a correction in the middle of my podcast. So let's try this again without any comments from me. Article 5. The Congress, whenever two-thirds of both houses shall deem it necessary, shall propose amendments to this Constitution or, on the application of the legislatures of two-thirds of the several states, shall call a convention for proposing amendments, which, in either case, shall be valid to all intents and purposes as part of this Constitution, when ratified by the legislatures of three-fourths of the several states or by conventions in three-fourths thereof as the one or the other mode of ratification may be proposed by the Congress, provided that no amendment which may be made prior to the year 1808 shall in any manner affect the first and fourth clauses of the ninth section of the first article and that no state without its consent shall be deprived of its equal suffrage in the Senate. So, it's a lot of words. What is it saying? What it's saying uh, is that the amendment process is very difficult. Uh, you need uh, two-thirds of Congress, three-fourths of the states. But there's a very specific reason why they mention 1808. And it has as it always does, as most of the Constitution does, which I apologize if this is the first time I'm mentioning this, especially on Martin Luther King Day, has everything to do with slavery. 
this particular point was put in so that Congress couldn't come back in in that 20-year gap, basically, almost 30-year gap, and put in an amendment that gave complete freedom to the slaves in the southern states. That is the only way the southern states would ratify the Constitution is that that language and other language was put in there. Look at the other articles. All right, Article 7, the final article. The ratification of the conventions of nine states shall be sufficient for the establishment of this Constitution between the states, so ratifying the same. The word the being interlined between the 7th and uh, this is a really interesting part when they're talking about ratification of the Constitution. They actually take time out to, to basically explain that there's parts of the Constitution when it was being read that they kind of screwed up. Um, the word the being interlined between the seventh and eighth lines of the first page. The word 30 being partly written on an erasure in the 15th line of the first page. The words is tried being interlined between the third. 32nd and 33rd lines of the first page of the word, the being, it's, it's amazing. Um, so we have the, the signatories. Uh, so that's, that's the constitution in a nutshell. Uh, again, um, I've missed something somewhere. Uh, so I'm going to take a quick break on my podcast because I need to, and then we'll come back, discuss some, anything that I missed that I need to, uh, Go back over, and then I'm going to talk about the amendments. All right, forecasters, if you haven't heard about Anchor, and by now you should have, it's the easiest way to make a podcast. Let me explain a few details. First of all, it's free. It's never going to cost you anything to make a podcast on Anchor FM. There's creation tools that allow you to record and edit your podcast right from your phone or computer. Anchor will distribute your podcast for you, so it can be heard on Spotify, Apple Podcast, and many, many more. You can also make money straight from your podcast with no minimum listen, uh, listenership. And it's everything you need to make a podcast all in one place. Now, if you're interested in making your own podcast like I've been doing and like some of my friends and family have been doing, you need to download the free Anchor app or go to anchor.fm to get started. Again, download the free Anchor app or go to anchor.fm to get started today. All right, welcome back. And I realized what I'd left off was the three-fifths clause in the Constitution. Um, this is in Article 1. This was in Article 1, Section 2. And this is another reason why I am a very much on the side of the Constitution being a static or fixed Constitution uh, because if it was a living, breathing document, we could have just passed some laws and just completely ignored this particular section of the Constitution. But it took an amendment to actually get rid of it. Uh, but it is Article 1, Section 2 in the third paragraph. Representatives and direct taxes shall be apportioned among the several states, states which may include, uh, which, let me try that again. Representatives and direct taxes shall be apportioned among the several states, which may be included within this union according to the respective numbers, which shall be determined by adding to the whole number of free persons, including those bound to service for a term of years, indentured servants, and excluding Indians not taxed, three-fifths of all other persons. The actual enumeration shall be made within three years after the first meeting of the Congress. Uh, that's when we had our first census of the United States, and with every subsequent term of 10 years, in such manner as they shall by law direct. The number of representatives shall not exceed one for every 30,000, but each state shall have at least one representative. And until such enumeration sh shall be made, the state of New Hampshire shall be entitled to choose three, Massachusetts eight, Rhode Island and Providence plantations one, uh, Connecticut, that's what Rhode Island was originally called, Rhode Island and Providence Plantations. Uh, Connecticut, five, New York, six, New Jersey, four, Pennsylvania, eight, Delaware, one, Maryland, six, Virginia, 10, North Carolina, five, South Carolina, five, and Georgia, three. So, once again, going back to slavery, it was written in the Constitution of these United States that those people in slavery, black people, 
were only considered to be three-fifths of a free person. And then people wonder why we still have racism to this day. You know, I, I really can't explain it any better than the fact that they put in the Constitution that a black person who was a slave was only worth three-fifths of a free person. And the fact they didn't even include Indians at all. But hey, what do I know? So, on to the Bill of Rights. This is where I'm going to focus most of my conversation tonight on my podcast. uh, Because I I do believe a lot of the the confusion, I guess, or the ignorance of the Constitution comes from the Bill of Rights. The first ten amendments. But here's something you may not know. The original plan, when they held a joint resolution of the Congress to propose the Bill of Rights, was to have 12 amendments. The First Amendment um, Okay. The First Amendment was just how many representatives and uh, representatives there would be. Um is that there shall not there shall be not less than one hundred representatives based on the population, nor nor less than one representative for every forty thousand persons until the number of representatives shall amount to two hundred. So that was the original number that they were going to break the rep, uh, the House of Representatives at was two hundred. After which the proportion shall be so regulated by Congress uh, that it shall not be less than 200 representatives, no more than one representative for every 50,000 persons. So as we go up by 100, the original plan was once we hit you know, 200 and 300 and 400, is that one the representative would represent more and more people. So it doesn't really state it, but you can kind of guess that once they hit 300 representatives, uh, one representative would represent 60,000 people. Uh, the original Second Amendment was supposed to be um, that no law varying the compensation of the services of the senators and representatives shall take effect until an election of representatives shall have intervened. Blah. So those two were thrown out. They never made it. Uh, so the original Third, Fourth, Fifth, Sixth, Seventh, Eighth, Ninth, and Tenth, and Eleventh, and Twelfth became the first ten amendments. So Amendment 1. Congress shall make no law respecting an establishment of religion or prohibiting the free exercise thereof or abridging the freedom of speech or the press or the right of the people peacefully to assemble and to petition the government for a redress of grievances. This goes right into what's going on today with several very prominent, very far-right conservatives claiming that every time their tweets on Twitter, or their their birdies, if you will, uh, or their post on Facebook, or their post on Instagram, or any of the other social media websites, when they're taken down and removed because they're just so awful, racist, um, insurrectionist, that their freedom of speech is being violated, and it's not. It simply is not. And I'm sorry I keep rubbing my nose for those watching, but it itches. The First Amendment protects your freedom of speech from being abridged by the federal government or by Congress. Does not protect your First Amendment freedom of speech from a private or public company. If we want to parse words on that, and I have seen them parse words on that. Every social media site out there has a term of service or terms of use. And if you violate those terms, they can and they will um, kick you off their side. They have the freedom to do that. Sorry to tell you that, but they do. So... Is it censorship? Maybe. But that's a completely different argument. It has nothing to do with the Constitution. Stop this. Um, 
And then, uh, of course, the press has the freedom, right, of people to peacefully assemble and to petition the government for redress of grievances. Those two, in my opinion, go hand in hand. And then, of course, no law respecting the establishment of religion. I don't care how many times you say it. This is not a Christian nation. It is not. Makes it perfectly clear in the First Amendment that Congress, the federal government, shall make no law respecting an establishment of religion, also very important, or prohibiting the free exercise thereof. Now, for many, and I am one of those included, the fact that it says Congress shall make no law respecting an establishment of religion means that if you work for the government, and yes, that does include education, you can't go in front of your class and preach religion to them. If you're going to teach religion, that's cool. But you got to teach all religions, prohibiting the free exercise thereof. Now, I'm going to take a quick break on this uh, to talk about some of the other amendments and to kind of give my closing thought on all of this. So stick with me. All right. And so we're going to discuss a couple more amendments. And again... Uh, going back to my original argument all the way back to the beginning of this, that the Constitution is is fixed or static, uh, because if it were a living document, there would be absolutely no need for these amendments. But we have them because we have to make changes to them. And what's what's funny is that Marshall Blackburn, who is a senator from Tennessee, who, by the way, voted to overturn the election uh, to, you know, side with the insurrectionist tweeted out at some point that we will never change the constitution uh, apparently she is completely unaware that the constitution has been changed 27 times which i i don't know personally if you're working for the federal government as a senator that's, that's something you should probably know but that's just my aside that's just a, a tangent that I decided to go off on. So the Second Amendment. This is an amendment that I, I've had many arguments over. And I will tell you my feelings, my belief on it. And I will stick to this. I haven't changed my mind on this in about 20 years. Probably not going to do it anytime soon. Amendment 2 says, A well-regulated militia being necessary to the security of a free state, the right of the people to keep and bear arms shall not be infringed. Now, what you hear a lot from people who apparently don't care about anything else that's in the Constitution or in the Bill of Rights or the other 17 amendments, whenever they talk about the Second Amendment, they always start from the right of the people to keep and bear arms shall not be infringed. They're leaving off an entire section of the amendment when they do that. It's right off the bat. It says a well-regulated militia. Comma. Being necessary to the security of a free state. Comma. The right of the people to keep and bear arms shall not be infringed. So if you want to rearrange these words to make it make to make it make a little more sense in 21st century United States um I've done this before and I've, I've lost it now You could rewrite it in this fashion. The right of the people to keep and bear arms shall not be infringed, being necessary to the security of a free state and a well-regulated militia. The Second Amendment was put in place simply to make sure that state militias were armed, that they could actually protect their states. Now, we don't have any true militias anymore. Uh, we have the far-right loonies who form their own militias, but they're not true militias by any sense of imagination. Uh, the closest we come to a militia in the current United States is the National Guard. 
that was put in place to protect each state. Amendment 2 was never meant, in my opinion, of everything that I've read about it at the time that it was written, it was never meant for you and me to, to keep and bear arms. It was meant for the militia, and again, it goes back to slavery, uh, specifically in Virginia, because militia in Virginia was mostly around to capture escaped slaves. Another reason uh, for the inclusion of the Second Amendment and to make sure that the militia was armed was also to train it. That's the first part of the that amendment that says a well-regulated militia. It had to be trained. So, you know, they, they, they did write it uh, very vague. Because really, I, I think what was meant from what I've read of the founders at the time is that it really was meant to say a well-regulated, a, a well-regulated militia that is necessary to the security of a free state must have the right for its people to keep and bear arms. But this is an argument that will never end. You know, when I do have this argument, discussion, debate, whatever you want to call it, they will say, well, look at the Supreme Court and all the decisions they've made. Well, the, the Supreme Court has made incorrect decisions in the past. If you don't believe me, look at any person who thinks that Roe v. Wade was a mistake by the Supreme Court. Supreme Court isn't always correct, ladies and gentlemen. Uh, Amendment 3, at this point, Amendment 3 should probably be, uh, we need to pass a 28th Amendment just to get rid of the Third Amendment. Uh, because it says, no soldier shall in time of peace be quartered in any house without the consent of the owner, nor in the time of war, but in a manner to be prescribed by law. It's, it's no longer even necessary. It was mostly to make sure that the British didn't take over homes. Um, and then the other imp- uh, important part of the Bill of Rights are the last two amendments, Amendment 9 and Amendment 10. Amendment 9 states that the enumeration in the Constitution of certain rights shall not be construed to deny or disparage others retained by the people. That's not the one I wanted. I believe it's the 10th and 11th. Okay. I was, I, I was, maybe I was reading the wrong, I don't know. Uh, but Amendment 9 states the enumeration in the Constitution of certain rights shall not be construed to deny or disparage others retained by the people. So, Amendment 9 says basically any laws that are not specifically stated in the Constitution or, or, or its amendments shall go to the people. And then Amendment 10 states the power is not delegated to the United States by the Constitution nor prohibited by it to the states or reserved to the states respectively or the people. So, you know, all, all it's really saying, ladies and gentlemen, in Amendments 9 and 10 are any laws not prescribed by the Constitution, its amendments, or the Congress shall go to the people and its states. Nowhere in these two amendments does it say that state laws or, or people have more rights than the federal government prescribes. It just doesn't. Um, there, there, there's an, there was an argument made after the Civil War, after the Civil War, that the South had a right to secede from the United States to protect their Tenth Amendment. But the Civil War was never about states' rights. It was about slavery. Full stop. Uh, so I'm going to take another brief break, and then I'm going to come back and close all this up with my final thoughts. All right, so the main idea behind this podcast tonight, I kind of had two different reasons for doing this. I wanted to test out the live streaming on YouTube, 
uh, using a different feature with YouTube to do picture in picture and all that. I, I think it's working. I've, I've heard it's working. I've seen it working, uh, but YouTube is still showing me that it's not working. So what we'll see after this, uh, of whether or not it shows up in my channel. Um, but the other reason I did this is because I wanted to share my opinion of the constitution, but I also wanted you to think about the constitution because at the end of the day, that's the reason why I named this episode what it is. The constitution isn't difficult. It is right there in black and white. Most of it for the most, uh, most of it without exception is not really all that vague. But the issue comes in are on the parts that are vague. And we've had arguments over it for 240 years now about those vague pieces. Uh, and I, I do just want to say one more thing about the, the Second Amendment um, and why I believe we need a new amendment to basically clarify the Second Amendment. And if you think, well, why do we need to do that? We have laws. Well, um, very famously in the 1900s, we um, passed an amendment in this country that banned alcohol sales and drinking. And then we had to pass another amendment a few years later to strike that amendment out. So we can't just do it with lives because, again, the Constitution is static and fixed. We need amendments. To change the Constitution, we need amendments to amend amendments. It's a lot of amendments right there. But there is no way that anyone can convince me that when the founders wrote the Constitution, let, let's let's just let me play let's let's play devil, devil's advocate with this. Let's say that they they did write the Second Amendment and meant for every man, woman, and child to have a gun. There is no way in 1780, yeah, 1780 that they could have ever envision, envisioned the types of guns that we have today. And I don't believe for one second that if you transported the founding fathers into today's society, never mind all the different things that would probably give them a stroke or heart attack or kill them right on the spot. If you show them the kind of guns that we have today before they wrote the Second Amendment, they probably never would have written the Second Amendment or would have made it a lot more clear. Because there's just, there's just no way that they ever envisioned that, that I could go into a gun store and buy a weapon specifically designed for warfare. And then argue that it was my right to have it because I was going to use it to protect myself. Weapons of war are not designed for defense. They are designed to kill. That is their sole purpose for existing. But really, I wanted to, and get, to get back to the main point of this. I wanted to offer my thoughts on the Constitution because right now we are living in a crazy time where we have people sitting in Congress that are describing themselves as constitutional scholars and I don't have any doubt in my mind that they have probably never read the Constitution. Or are they just stuck to the Second Amendment of the Constitution? That's why I am in full belief that any senator, any congressman or woman, and yes, the President of the United States, if it is found that they had anything, anything at all, to do with the insurrection on January 6th, they should immediately, once, it is, once that evidence is found, they should be immediately thrown out of office and immediately charged with insurrection. Because if they're not, 
All it's doing is telling uh, telling their cult, their flock, that they can do it again without recrimination. If we want to be a constitutional government, we've got to follow our constitution. Otherwise, it's not worth the paper that it is written on. Again, these are my thoughts. These are my beliefs after studying the Constitution for 20-some-odd years at this point. The inauguration is on Wednesday. And I personally can't wait just to have an adult in the White House again. I personally can't wait to have the first woman ever to serve as vice president in this country. It's couldn't find a hole. That's what she said. Um, (laughs) It's going to be a long road to get back to any sense of normalcy. As President-elect Biden, who will become the 46th President of the United States on Wednesday at noon, he has a lot to do. Because we just went through four years of our federal government absolutely breaking down. So there, there's a lot for him to do. And he is going to fail on certain things. It's, it's going to happen. You know, above all else, I mean, you know, I'm a Democrat, I'm a liberal, I'm a progressive, but above all else, I am a realist. He's not going to uh, succeed on everything. There are things he's probably going to do that I'm not going to like. And in four years, God willing, if he runs for president again, he's done enough that, that I just didn't like, I will look to vote for someone else. Because that's how democracy works in this country. Free and fair elections. Free of fraud. No cheating. Whoever wins, wins. Don't go through 63 cases without showing any evidence of fraud or cheating. We don't hold up the certification of the Electoral College in Congress because we're upset that the person we thought should have won didn't win. And we certainly do not storm the Capitol because we're upset that our candidate didn't win. Protest. Absolutely. Go out and protest. If you feel that Trump was cheated, go out and protest. I love protesting. I've never been to a protest, but I love watching a protest, hearing people throw their ideas out there of what they're protesting against. But what happened on the 6th was not a protest. It was an attempted overthrowing of the government. And it worked for several hours. As these morons and baboons and poor excuses for humans Strolled through the halls of Congress. Stole laptops. And one has now been accused of trying to sell Madam Speaker Pelosi's laptop to Russia. I mean, you can't make this up. But anyways, sorry I went off on a tangent. Um, That's it for tonight. I hope you learned something about the Constitution. If not... Get a copy of the Constitution for yourself. I have one on my phone. Get get a paper version, just a, a little book that you can carry in your pocket that you can go back and look at. Look at what the founders said. There's plenty of documents out there uh, from the founders about the Constitution. But as always, stay safe out there. Wear your mask when in public. Stay at least six feet away from other people if you can when you're in public. This is almost over. Well, the beginning is here. The beginning of the end is here. So, 
We've got this. Good night.